0: Well, if we haven't met before, my name is Bill, uh, and as of today, I am campus pastor of our Mosaic at the Bay Campus. (laughs) Come on. Um, Beard. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that compliment. I wish my wife shared that with you. She doesn't like the beard, but that's too bad. It's staying. All right. Well, I'm sidetracked. Thank you, Andrew. But uh, welcome to Mosaic. We're so glad that you're here. I'm um, so glad that you can be a part of a monumental day for us. Um, like Aaron said, we as a church, we really want to believe in multiplying. We believe in our uh, people who are you who are in this room, and we just want to see amazing things happen uh, in the lives of everyone who is sitting here today, um, that we can continue to plant churches in this city and in this country and around the world. So we're pretty excited about that, that we get to do it once and we can keep doing it over and over and over again. So uh, that's the hope anyways. But tonight is a big night for us. Um, but I, I think we need to kind of address a little bit of the element in the room is churches and, uh, Christians can be weird sometimes. Is anyone with me? Has anyone ever had an awkward interaction with church people or churches? Yeah. Um, so I love church signs. Anyone like church signs? Researching those on the, uh, the interweb. So I got some really cool church signs. So we got some good ones here. Uh, this one's kind of hard to read, but it says "Boring Church." Uh, that's unfortunate. Um, this is a good one: Independent, Old Timey, Hellfire, Brimstone, King James preaching. <laughs> that's the uh, seeker-sensitive church right there. So uh, the cool church. Yeah, we're the cool church. Oh man, do you know what hell is? Come here, our preacher. That's a good one. That's a good one. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church out. So, uh, but yeah, man, it's just, it's weird. You know, like be honest. Like it's weird that we sing songs and we put it up on the screen for everyone to sing along with. It's weird that we actually sing to this being that no one in this room has actually ever physically seen with their own eyes. Um, it's weird that we worship. It's weird that we sing to a God that, uh, that, yeah, that we can't see, that we don't see, but there's rumors out there. Because at the end of the day, you guys should be relaxing. You should have slept in. You should be watching football today. It's weird that we're in this room. It's weird that we can gather together uh, under one name, and we could actually be present in this room. Uh, It's kind of weird. But see, I, I found that that question and that thing about weirdness is sometimes we need a little bit more weird in our lives, don't we? Because the things that keep us up at night, those are the things that make life intriguing. Those are the things that make life interesting. You know, how can the universe be trillions of years old? How can there be that many stars and that many galaxies out there? what created everything Uh, i read this statistic this week that uh, atoms is mostly made up of empty space and if you took out of all the empty space out of an atom and you put all the atoms next to each other that the entire human race would fit into the size of a sugar cube that's weird right but man we long for this to be true I believe we long for a little bit more weird. We long for a creator. We long because deep down inside, we want something more than the 80 possible years we could possibly live on this planet. Because deep at our core, man, our hearts, we want to live. The book of Ecclesiastes chapter three says, God has set eternity in the human heart. God has placed eternity in the human heart. See, the thing about being weird is that's exactly where God seems to show up sometimes. God seems to be found in the questions more than he's found in the answers. But man, I understand this mystery. This has baggage to it. Like, why start another church in our city? Like, why should we do that? Right? Because at the end of the day, there's hundreds of churches in Lincoln. I feel like as we were like dreaming and praying about this happening, I'm driving through the city and I see church after church after church drop down 84th street and you just see huge building after huge building after huge building of all these massive huge communities of faith and it's like can't these people just get on the same page can't we just come together and can't we just be united like why do we need to continue planting more and more churches is that really the smartest most strategic thing to do see that question why should we plant another church if we're honest with ourselves, that's rooted deep down uh, that we feel like churches aren't really pushing the world forward. We feel like churches are actually pulling us back. The question, why another church, reveals to us that we need more churches in the world that exist to serve the world. We need more churches in the world that exist to be on mission with God, to continue to. Uh, make the world more in tune with the way that God intended it to be in the first place. See, I tr- I, I, the the type of community that I want to create, that we want to create here at Mosaic, is the type of community that is like a warm blanket uh, on a cold, rainy night. I see a church that is like a ice cold bottle of water in the middle of the desert. Or a church that is like a warm cup of coffee after a piece of chocolate cake. Right? See, I see a church of love over judgment. A diverse church, diverse in thoughts, diverse in our opinions, diverse in culture, that we can be humble, we can be teachable. I see a church that recognizes none of us in this room are perfect. Right? And we don't need to be. Because there's a good God out there that loves bad people. A house full of sinners and a house full of sinning saints. See, I see a church full of broken, fragmented people. But man, when we come together, and we allow God's light to shine through us, we can become a beautiful mosaic. And see, that question, why do we plant another church? Why do we need to start another church in this city? It's really rooted in what our first core value is as mosaic our first code of value at Mosaic is mission is why the church exists. Mission is why the church exists. If I could really uh, condense that into one word, it would be action, right? Action is why the church exists. See, a lot of companies, they, they have mission statements, like Whole Foods. Whole Foods has a mission statement. So the highest quality natural and organic products. Apple has a mission statement. Apple designs Macs, the best personal computers in the world. See, when I say that mission is why the church exists, I have, we have to understand that that still comes with some baggage. Because what we've experienced in our life, if we've experienced some people that have hurt us in the name of Jesus, that people in our life, and I feel like we see this constantly on social media, just coming down where we just see nothing but judgment. We see nothing but pain being displayed in front of us. But man, if we could be on mission and we could be on mission of love and service, what would a community like that look like? Because the truth is God is constantly on mission to transform your heart. The reason why we are on mission as a church is because God has been constantly on a mission to win us over from the beginning. See, just as the wind blows, the leaves of fall, we want to be blown by the wind of God just says, Lincoln, we are obsessed with the cool breeze of fall, aren't we? We all love fall. We want to be obsessed with the cool breath of God. But speaking of fall, who in here says fall is your favorite season? Who would say, man, fall is my favorite season? Most of us, right? Like, Lincolnites, like, we are, we're kind of crazy about fall. Like, in fall, we feel like we've never, ever seen an apple before. It's like, Apples! They're so good. Uh, I love apples, but I hate the smell of apple juice. Anyone with me? Apple juice is the worst smell in the world. Just stick your, mo- just stick your head in a mom's minivan, and you'll know what I'm talking about. It smells like apple juice and Cheerios. It's really gross. Um, but I'm sidetracking. People are like, oh, no, the smell of apple pie. It's like, no, you're just smelling brown sugar. It's not the smell of apples. But uh, I love fall. Fall is by far my favorite season, but I always have one thought when fall hits, and that thought is, winter is coming. Aaron said before, he said, oh, we got to turn on our heat for the first time. I'm like, that just depresses me because I know in like a month we're going to be all wearing winter coats and there's going to be snow and it's going to be the worst. But um, I love fall. I love apples. I get really excited about apples. And I remember last year, me and Nicole, we went apple picking and uh, apple picking is really interesting because it's like you pay more money to do more work. So we drive like 45 minutes to Nebraska city and we go in there and all these trees are like dilapidated. There's like a few apples at the top of the tree, but I was on a mission. I needed to find the perfect apple. And so I'm literally picking up my two-year-old boy and I'm like trying to reach to the top of the tree with him so that he could pick an apple for me that's way up there because I didn't want to climb the tree because I'm kind of a wimp with heights and things like that. So I made my little boy do it. And so we found these apples uh, after just spending so much time out there. And I had kind of a mediocre bunch of apples. I didn't find the perfect apples. And we're walking out, and I remember looking at the side, and there was bushel after bushel after bushel, after bushel of the perfect apples. I was like, oh, someone came in before us, and they took all the good ones first, right? And I remember we got home, and the first apple I cut into uh, had a worm inside which I was really thankful for because usually I don't cut into apples. Usually I just eat them right away. So it's better to uh, find the apple or find the worm once you cut it rather than getting to the core and seeing it pop its head out. That would be gross. But, uh, I, and then I grabbed the other bag of apples and I saw there's like little drill holes cut into that one. Sure enough, worms in those apples too. Um, man, the reason why we're on mission as a church is because God has been constantly on mission for us to transform our hearts. See, so often in life we're looking and we're searching for that perfect apple. We're searching and we're wanting and we're wanting everything to be perfect. And God is walking right behind us with a bushel full of the best apples. And God is just telling us, Stop working so hard to find the perfect apples. Stop working so hard to live the perfect life. And just sit with me. Let's share a meal together. God has been constantly on mission for you to transform your heart. You're in this room today. I don't know what brought you today, but the reason why you're in this room today is because God desperately wants to transform your heart. I mean, really, that's the story of the scriptures, is this story where at the beginning we find ourselves eating and talking uh, with God. And it seems like ever since we've been running, but God is walking right behind us. The story of Abraham, Moses, Jonah, it seems to be the relentless pursuit of God wanting to transform the world through transforming his people. So we find in Jeremiah chapter 31, it says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And then what we find is God does something absolutely weird and crazy. God, the creator of everything, he becomes one of us. He puts on flesh and he becomes a man. And we find ourselves, uh, this man named Jesus, towards the end of his life. I want to read a story with you guys. God in the flesh. John chapter 12, will you guys turn with me there? John chapter 13, I'm sorry. I heard this comedian this week, um, or maybe it was two weeks ago. Uh, he was talking about how funny it was that Jesus had so many disciples. Um, does anyone know how many disciples Jesus had? Just shout it out. Twelve. Twelve. You know, most people know that. It's like 12 disciples. Uh, so think about it. Like everywhere Jesus went, like 13 guys rolled with them. And he's like, if that's not gangster, I don't know what is. <laughs> right? Everywhere you go, 13 guys. You call ahead to get a table at the restaurant. It's like, how many for your reservation? 13. It's like 13. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and put all the chairs on one side of the table so that we could eat on the same side. (laughs) But everywhere Jesus went, he seemed to be sharing meals with people. Shared meals with uh, pimps and prostitutes, thieves and gangsters. But in this moment, Jesus is sharing a moment with his 12 disciples in John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of his disciples, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. See, this is a pretty significant moment because Jesus is taking off his outer garment, the scripture says, and he's literally washing his disciples' feet in his underwear. And in this culture, the only time you let someone see you like this would be uh, if you were a servant or if you're You would only reveal your undergarments to your wife, obviously. Um, And so, in this moment, what Jesus is doing, he's saying, I'm going to be a servant to you. I'm willing to take on the outfit and the posture of a slave for you. So, God in the flesh, who created everything that we see, everything we experience, when we look down at our fingerprints, that's the work of God. And in this moment, he decides to take on the role of a servant and to serve his disciples. So then we continue um, in verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Well, duh, he's washing everyone's feet, Peter. (laughs) Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. See, Peter, he doesn't get it, right? Right? Like, Peter has this internal hierarchy in his mind. He's got this idea that the more power you get, the more people you get below you, and that means the more people that serve you. And what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to flip it on his head, and he's saying, no, it's not about that, Peter. It's about the more power, the more authority, the more influence you have. It means the more people that you get to serve. It's not about the more people that get to serve you, Peter. And so I think even in our own life, we experience this sometimes, because it's like, uh, it's really easy to let, to pay someone to cut your grass. But the second a neighbor or friend offers to cut the grass for you, you're like, no, you can't cut my grass. Because we all have this internal hierarchy. For the past two years, I've worked at a grocery store. And I remember like, I'd be bagging someone's groceries. And every now and then someone would be like, no, let me bag my own groceries. I want to bag my own groceries. like, really? Like, I have a college education. I'm not even good enough to bag your groceries. You know, because it makes it makes you feel like you're in the bottom of the totem pole. And what Jesus is trying to say is like, no, it's about being a servant. It's about if you want power and you want influence, you gotta serve Peter. And Peter doesn't get that. Because Peter at the end of the day lacks humility. And Jesus, he continues on in verse 15. He says, I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master nor is a master greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Another thing that I love about this story is what Jesus does, and it was revealed to us right at the beginning, it says that Satan has already entered Judas' heart. And Judas has made the decision to betray Jesus. And Jesus in this moment washes Judas' feet. Jesus, God in the flesh, knows that this man is going to betray him, knows that this man is going to hand him over to the Romans to be crucified and to die. And Jesus chooses to wash the feet of the man who wanted him dead. How often in our life can we say that about ourselves? I heard a fictional story this week that I think proves my point really well, so I'm going to tell it. Um, I heard this story and it it said... um, there's uh, this like psychotic general that, with his army, he rushes into this monastery. They're just like bulls in china shops. They're just wrecking everything, destroying the place. So, this general finds this monk, and he, uh, the monk is just sitting there peacefully. And so, the general goes to him, Don't you know who I am? Don't you know that I could put this sword through your gut, and I won't even bat an eye? And the monk says to him, Don't you know who I am? You can put that sword through my gut. And I won't even bat an eye. And I think in this moment, what Jesus is displaying to us is that, wash the feet of everyone. Wash the feet of those who you love. Wash the feet of those who follow you. Wash the feet of those who hate you. Even wash the feet of those who want to kill you. That's not easy, right? Because Jesus, in this moment, he's flipping the hierarchy upside down. He's saying, serve everyone. Be on mission for everyone. Because when God transforms your heart, you want nothing more than to be with him to transform the world. There's another another story at the end of the book of John. John chapter 21, if you guys want to go there. So in John chapter 21, so if you guys know the rest of the story, is Jesus... He was arrested, Jesus was crucified, Judas betrayed him, and Jesus dies on a Friday. Dies on a cross, and then on Sunday, Jesus uh, walks out of his grave, proving everything he had said, proving that he was God in the flesh. And what he does is he finds his disciples fishing, which is really interesting because basically they gave up. They went back to their trade. They're like, this is how we made money before, this is what we're going to do now, we've basically given up. Like our Savior's done, he's gone, he's dead. And Jesus walks up and he has this moment with arrogant Peter. And I love this exchange that he has with Peter. In John chapter 21, starting in verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know, you know that I love you. It's kind of cute, right? It's like, Peter, feed my sheep. But in this moment, Jesus is actually in a way kind of insulting Peter because shepherds in the first century, you don't want to be a shepherd, right? So shepherds in the first century, they were outcasts. They were pariahs. Many times they were criminals that couldn't get another job. So it's like, you're going to be a shepherd. Shepherds were considered liars. They were considered thieves. Shepherds could not even testify in court because they were considered sinners who never told the truth. Shepherds cannot worship in the temple because they were considered unclean. They wore unclean clothes and they ate with unclean hands. And so in this moment, Jesus is calling Peter a shepherd. Feed my sheep, Peter. Feed my sheep. In this moment, again, Jesus is trying to tell Peter, it's not about becoming the most. It's about becoming the least. And it's about serving everyone. And another thing about shepherds in the first century is they stink. They stink. Literally, you spend all your time outside. You spend all your time around wet, smelly, wooly sheep. So you stink. So they actually, uh, it became known because you could smell a shepherd coming from a mile away. If a shepherd came into town, basically it's like they have a bell around their neck because you could literally smell them from a mile away. It's kind of like when you're driving in the car and you pass a pig farm and you're like, how is that smell still in my car? It's been 15 minutes. That's shepherds, right? Shepherds stunk. Like in this moment, Jesus is saying, Peter, it's not about flattery. It's not about using your words. Peter, this is about action. It's not about being perfect in your service. It's about being authentic in your service. It's about becoming an outcast, Peter. It's about becoming a pariah. Stop worrying so much about power. Stop worrying so much about status. Become the lowest of the low so you can serve. I need you to stink, Peter. Peter. I need you to smell like a shepherd. I need you to smell like a man of action. See, as a church, I feel like it's so easy for us to fall into the trap of words. It's so easy for us to look around the room and say, this is the win, right? We got some people in the room. We sang some songs. God moved us. This is the win. We can move on with our lives. Don't get me wrong. What happens here is vital, What happens here is so much people sacrifice so much of their time, effort, energy, and creativity to make this happen. And God does some of his most significant moments when we're in community together. But if we leave it here, right? If we leave it here, we've missed the point. It's a lot like football, right? Could you imagine if you had someone and all they did was talk about a football? They're like, man, these laces on this football, it's perfect, The color of this football, it's better than any other color football out there. The grip, the lettering, everything about this football, it's the absolute perfect pressure, the air pressure inside the ball. And you're like, just play with the football. Stop talking about the football and actually get in the game and play. And so often we, like footballs, footballs are never meant to be put on a shelf. And faith is never meant to be put on the shelf. And I feel like so often it's easy for us to be all about words and words and words and words. But in this moment, what Jesus is calling us to is he's calling us to action. He's, causing, he's calling us to stink. He's causing us to smell like a shepherd. Faith never meant to be on the shelf. We stink so that when we walk down our neighborhoods, when we walk into the office, people can smell us. From a mile away. Smell of hope. Smell of someone who loves us. Smell of someone who we know is for us and that will serve us. And if I'm honest, is that most people's experience with people of faith? Is that most people's experience and encounters on social media with people who claim the name of Jesus? And I began to think about that of like, who are my heroes? And through this journey of planting a church down at the Bay, uh, getting to know two amazing human beings, Shane and Nikki, two outreach workers at the Bay, I was walking through the neighborhoods this week, uh, just praying, meeting people, passing out some flyers, inviting people, and it seemed like everyone I came across that I actually was able to have a conversation with, uh, they just kept talking about Shane this, Shane that, Shane, 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 Shane. Because Shane is someone who stinks, right? He literally stinks, actually. He spent three months revamping the entire front warehouse. So he kind of smells. But uh, Shane is someone who loves well. Nikki, someone comes to the day, they say, I need help. I'm like a deer in the headlights. I don't know what to do. Nikki's like, yeah, let's get you something. Let's get you connected to resources. I know people. I know how to do this. Um, many of you guys know Evan, who leads worship, leads one of our bands here at Mosaic. I'll never forget about a year ago, we were sitting on my front porch. It was late at night and this girl walks up to bum a cigarette and Evan begins this conversation with her and very quickly he recognizes something's wrong and he says to her, hey, what have you taken tonight? And she said, nothing. And he said, how many pills have you taken tonight? She said, I haven't taken any. He goes, no, how many pills have you taken? She said, a couple. He said, what color were those pills? She said, I don't know. He said, how many pills did you take? She said, a handful. Where did you get them? The mission. And Evan so gracefully was able to take her on this journey, make her feel comfortable, make her feel safe. And he said, you know, I'm going to have to call someone who's going to come here and help you. And so Evan called, and as the ambulances and fire trucks blaring and lights going come flooding into the street, Evan's able to look her in the eye and say, it's okay. It's safe. It's all right it's okay. Man, it was in that moment that I realized, man, Evan, he gets labeled as a musician, but that guy is so much more than a musician. That guy is a guy who pastors and loves well. It was in that moment that I said, you know what, as long as I'm in the same city and vicinity as that guy, I want nothing more than to serve with him. See, this mission, mission is why the church exists. It's not a mission of morality and judgment. It's a mission of grace. It's recognizing that, you know what? I'm not perfect and that's okay because Jesus was perfect for me. But God desperately wants to transform your heart today so that you can be a part of the mission of God to transform the world that we live in, to stink, right? To smell like shepherds, See, loving the world is why the church exists. Mission is why the church exists. Action is why the church exists. Why? Because God is crazy about you. We got a good God that loves bad people. And you in this room today, you can be a part of that. You don't have to be someone who's passively just watching. You know what my dream is? My dream is that we recognize that, that ministry doesn't happen on the stage. Ministry is happening all around. Everyone who comes and says, Mosaic is my home and Jesus is my savior, right? That we see ourselves as the pastors of our neighborhoods. We see ourselves as missionaries to our communities. We see ourselves as missionaries in the workplace. That this isn't the win. This is just the beginning. That the win is when we truly catch the mission of God in our life. That we truly embrace Jesus transforming our hearts so that we can serve the world. Jesus transforming our hearts so that we can be shepherds, so that we can stink, and that we can love and feed the world that we live in. And so today, I invite you to be a part of this tribe called Mosaic. I invite you to be a part of this mission. Because the thing about it is, you don't have to do it alone. You can do it community with the people who are sitting here all around you right now. Because man, let's be honest, doing it by yourself feels really lonely, feels really big, feels really scary. But today you're in this room and you got to ask yourself the question, will you let Jesus transform your heart? Will you embrace the mission of God? Will you in this room say, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. I've given a lot of things a shot, but today I'm going to allow Jesus to transform everything about me. And then the second thing is, will you with me become a shepherd? Will you stink? Will you be willing to ask God the question, God, what is your mission that you want me on? And you know what? Heck, we want to be a church of action. And so even if you are really just searching and struggling with the existence of God, if you see something in the world that desperately needs changed, but you're struggling with this idea of faith, that's all right. You're more than welcome to be part of our tribe. But you can still be a person of action. And that if you want to do great things in this world, if you want to do good things in this world, you want to serve people in this world, we are more than happy to come alongside of you and see that be a reality. It's a big part of why we want to plant a church at the bay it's a big part of why we want to partner with an organization like that because they're doing amazing things in this city and just because you don't claim the name of jesus doesn't mean that you can't do amazing things what mission are you on i read this uh, quote this week um if i could find it Wes jackson he said if you're thinking about an idea that you can solve in your own lifetime then you're thinking too small What is that thing that's burning in your heart? What is that thing that inside you're like, I have to do that? There's so many things about this world that are just not right. God, where do I need to be on mission? Because mission is why we exist, that we can be people of action. And so today I invite you to journey together. Today I invite you into this core of who Mosaic is, that we can be on mission together. Because at the end of the day, we're all just broken and fragmented people, right? We feel like our lives so many times have been shattered. But if we could come together and we can allow God's light and Jesus's love and Jesus's service to shine through us, then we become a beautiful mosaic together. Mission is why we exist. Let us be known in this city as a church of action. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the breath in our lungs. God, we pray for this city. God, we pray that we, as a city, can learn to wash the feet of our city. That we can wash the feet of the people all around us. That we won't see life and the people around us as this hierarchy, but God, flip it on its head and our minds and help us to recognize that there is no hierarchy. And we are called to serve everyone. We are called to not only love our enemies, not only love the people that want to kill us, but we are called to serve them. Jesus, today, in this moment, I pause. And everyone in this room, what I want us to do is I want us to, in our minds, and our hearts, as I want us to say, Jesus, transform my heart. God, you have been constantly on mission for us. And the reason that we want to be on mission for you is because you have been in constant pursuit to shape our hearts, to transform our hearts. That you can take our heart of stone and make it into a heart of flesh. God, I pray that we, Mosaic, becomes a community full of stinky, smelly shepherds that look to feed the world around us. God, in this moment, I pray that you speak very clearly. I pray that you speak into our minds, into our hearts and our souls. And in this moment, reveal to us something in the world that needs action, something in our life that needs action. What is that thing that you're speaking very clearly to us about that we need to take a risk and we need to do? God, give us the courage to say yes to you all the time, God. That we say yes. That we say yes to your mission. That we say yes to your transformation. That we say yes to your love. And God, let us become a community of action because mission is why we exist.